just like to ask uh, the Lord to bless me and enable me to minister the word tonight. Lord Heavenly Father, what a great privilege and honor it is, God, to bring your word, Heavenly Father. I ask, Lord God Almighty, that you will anoint me, God, and enable me to bring this message, Lord, that you be glorified, God. We thank you, God, for all your blessings, Lord, your mercy and your goodness. And we ask you to bless this reading, this message, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got three uh, scriptures to refer to. The first one is Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. It says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And the second scripture is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And the last scripture is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Um, I think we can just call this message, Come unto Jesus. And I just feel tonight I don't want us I don't want to us to soul search or feel challenged in any way. I'm just hoping that we can rest in and enjoy Jesus, feel his presence and express our love and appreciation of him and just worship him. Amen. At one of our presbyters visitors visits, Sister Hogburn greeted the church and in so doing she stretched out her arms like this. Put this down. And uh, she demonstrated that that's the way she believes Jesus would do. And what Jesus would say is, come, come, come unto me. And he will never, ever turn anybody away. He's always reaching out for us. And he's always saying, come unto me. Amen. Even in our most troubled times, even in our most difficult times, even in the hardships and even when we're ill, he's saying, come, come, come. And if we don't go, we're losing out. If we don't go, we're missing out. Amen. His arms are forever outstretched. His arms are forever open. And each of us here, he knows us by name. He knows who we are. And if you're in the street and you're not in the church, the Lord's arms are outstretched. And he's still saying, come, come unto me. Come to me. Come to me. Amen. And once you come to him, your whole life changes. Once you decide to make that decision and allow yourself to come into the loving arms of the Lord Jesus Christ, your whole life changes. There's a new perspective. There's a new depth. There's a new height. There's a new everything as you come to the Lord. Amen. Come unto me, he says. Come unto me. Amen. No matter how great or how small our needs are, there will always be times when we need help. We can ask a friend. We can get someone to pray with us. We can talk to our pastor and receive guidance and advice. But at the end of the day, for all of our solutions, we must go to Jesus for ourselves. 
Even pastor would advise, pray about it. And when we do pray, we pray to God, who the Bible says, knows our needs even before we pray. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God. I was just thinking of that song when we were praising and worshiping God and feeling such a strong presence in this place. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Amen. When you start to count those blessings, it's amazing, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Amen. It's easy to praise Him. It's easy when you can count your blessings and recognize what He's put into your life and how He puts it there and when He puts it there and why He puts it there. Amen. It's easy to praise Him. It's easy to worship Him. It's easy. Hallelujah. And God has provided a house. And God has provided musicians. And God has provided leadership for us to come to a place regularly, week by week, week by week, to praise Him, to get strengthened, to be touched, to be changed, to be healed, to go forth with encouragement, to go forth with confidence, to go forth with joy, to go forth with happiness. Because the Lord has been with us. He met with me in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't stay away. When I come to church, when I come on Sunday, I'm ready for church on Wednesday. When Monday and Tuesday come, I'm ready for church on Wednesday. Miles and I always say, when we go to church, we are changed. When we come out of the service, we are different completely. Why? Because we've met with the Lord. He's touched us. He's ministered to us. Praise God. I spoke about praying to the Lord for our needs. And Micah chapter 7 verse 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Just prior to the events leading up to his trial, Jesus performed two miracles. The first was the healing of a blind man. Jesus had been in the temple, and the Jews wanted to stone him because he spake of his deity, saying, Verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. The Bible says that after this saying, Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple through the crowd outside. As he passed through the midst of the people, he saw a man which had been blind since his birth. And the disciples asked him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, that night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am um, in the world, I am the light of the world. Of the parents of this blind man, it is not to say that they were without sin, but that this blindness was not the effect of sin. By this miracle, the evidence of the healing power of God, the providence of Jesus and the blind man being in the right place at the right time together, God's mercy and blessings <clears throat> and the blessings of being healed and gaining sight for the first time in his life, all these wonderful works of God were manifested in Jesus exactly as God intended it to be. <clears throat> I just want to say here that 
I don't believe it was a coincidence that the blind one was there where he was and that Jesus was there where he was at the same time. This is all part of God's perfect plan and timing. God brings events, situations, times, and places together for the benefit of souls, for those who are seeking him, that he may perform miracles and answer prayers. Before I came to submit myself to the Lord, there was a time that I was beset by an intense stomach pain which caused me to double up. There was no apparent reason or cause for this affliction. However, my mother happened to be with me at the time and offered to pray for me. I did not believe in prayer for healing, and I certainly did not want to become part of her fanaticism. But because she was persistent, and very persistent, I might add, I agreed. Well, the end of the story is that God healed me. I was amazed, and I have great pleasure today to praise and thank him for that miracle. No coincidence. It was an opportunity given to my mother and myself by God. For my mother, fulfillment of the scripture that says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Don't forget I was resisting. Don't forget I was resisting. Amen. But God undertook, and he healed me, and he answered prayers. Amen. And for me, that healing was part of my eventual submission to live for and serve God. Not very long after that, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then I was baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. So God brings things together and places together. I can see that now. At the time, I didn't know, but I can see it later on. And I just thank God that he allowed all of that to happen so that I could have that opportunity to experience his touch. Back to the healing of the blind man. For this healing to take place, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay of his spittle. Then he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and sent him to go and wash at the pool of Siloam. The man washed and came away seeing for the first time in his life and with perfect eyesight. It surprises me that one minute the Jewish crowd were intending to stone Jesus for his claim to deity, but immediately following there is this wonderful miracle which could only have been performed by God, and yet they were full of doubt and suspicion and could not see and recognize Jesus, their Messiah. In fact, the Pharisees became divided over this miracle and disputed amongst themselves, saying that Jesus is not of God because he performed this miracle on the Sabbath. And others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? They were disputing about it and they were in a quandary. The second miracle was the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and that is recorded in John 11 and 1 to 44. The scripture says that many of the Jews which had been present among the gatherers when Lazarus died, came to Mary Mary after Lazarus had been raised from the dead, having seen the things Jesus did and believed on him. But then others of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees formed a council to discuss what to do about this man who performs many miracles. If they let him alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans would strip them of their power and take away their places of authority in the nation. Many discussions took place to and fro, and eventually they took counsel together to put Jesus to death. Because of this decision, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, 
but went into a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And he continued there with his disciples. <coughs> because of their decision, these council members were possibly rubbing their hands together and feeling victory. But they had absolutely no idea that their decision was all in accordance with God's perfect plan. What they did not realize or what prophecy they ignored was that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And he was only manifest in the fullness of God's time. He was made of a woman and he was made under the law. The life of Jesus was not taken, but he laid it down that he might take it up again. He was wounded for their transgressions, just as much as ours, bruised for their iniquities, chastised for in our peace, and the affliction of the many stripes on his body was for healing. Both the Pharisees, the scribes, and ours as well. They didn't see all of that. The blood of Jesus would be shed for the remission of sins, their sins too. That he would be made sin for us and them, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. That his blood was without spot or blemish. Speaking on this point of the blood without spot and blemish, by the virgin birth there is no sinful humanity in the blood of Jesus. Science tells us that in conception the blood of the infant comes from the father, not the mother. And as Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus was pure and holy. The Pharisees were a sect of Judaism being the monotheistic religious beliefs of the Jews based on the laws and teachings of the covenant that God established with the children of Israel and gave the laws to Moses. The Pharisees were very influential in Judea. When Jesus was speaking to the multitudes and his disciples, this is in Matthew chapter 23, he said that the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, which meant they claimed the authority of Moses as interpreters and teachers of the law. They imposed oppressive and legalistic ways upon the people, demanding that all Israel <coughs> who submitted to Moses should also submit to them. The Pharisees did not lift a finger to help the people bear these grievous and hard laws. But Jesus said to the multitude and his disciples, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say... And do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogue and greetings in the markets to be called Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. Before the law was given, no one really knew exactly what sin was. It was only because the law said, for example, thou shalt not commit murder, that sin was made known, and all sin is against God, who is holy. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Romans 7 and 7. But even though the Old Testament law was good, holy, and righteous, it did not bring liberty because it was weak through the flesh, and man was not free from the dominion of sin. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Does that mean there's no hope for salvation for man? Not at all. God has made a way throughout history from the sin of Adam and Eve right to today, this very hour, this very night, this very minute, right now, God has made a way for salvation. Where there is failure, it is because we resist the outstretched arms of Jesus who is bidding us to come. God is the author and finisher of our faith. He lays down the plan for our salvation. He institutes it and he finishes it. Our part is to follow and submit to that plan. The demands of the Pharisees were too grievous and hard to bear. And Jesus condemning the Pharisees say, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. These religious leaders kept the people from the kingdom of heaven by making traditions and religious rules so hard and even more important than God's laws and teachings. Neither did they acknowledge Jesus. The English Standard Version reads, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Jesus does not want us to bear these grievous and unnecessary burdens. And he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There we'll find perfect rest in the Lord Jesus. And as I said before, even if we've got uh, problems and difficulties, we can still find rest and peace in the Lord Jesus. Amen. He helps to bear those burdens with us. He helps to help. He, he like He helps us through those times of troubles and difficulties. So God has already uh, provided his solution. The Apostle Paul writes, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. And the even as they in the scripture refers to those who had heard the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus is the solution, the solution for the atonement of past, present, and future sins. And I'm sure Pastor made that statement recently, that he is, um, for all the past, present, and future sins, Jesus has made the atonement, and he will take and wash those sins away if we give them to him. So what of sin? It has to be dealt with and cannot and should not be ignored, excused, or swept under the carpet. For our salvation, sin has to be forgiven by God, and we are to be cleansed from the defilement of sin. The consequence that God gave to Adam for disobedience was, thou shalt surely die. When God gave his instruction to Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit, he was not keeping something good from them. He, was simply, he simply did not want them to know what evil was like through personal experience and was sparing them from evil. God knew the suffering and the death that it would bring into the world. So here we have the first man, the first sin, the first judgment, the first sacrifice, the first shed blood, and the first covering. And why was that? Because the wages of sin is death. Sin separates man from our holy God, and his death means eternal separation from him. Speaking of the new Jerusalem, the Bible says, 
that there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. That's in Revelations chapter 21. There is no human being that ever has been or ever will be without sin, and God requires death by the shedding of blood for the sins. Through Jesus we can die to sin, but physically we cannot die for sin. So what can we do? How do we ever pay this price? How can we ever be right before God if the wages of sin are death and we sin? There is only one way. We need a substitute. We need someone to take our place. And of course, that someone is Jesus. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The shedding of blood pertains to death because life is in the blood. And as the blood is lost from the body, so life is lost. Life depends upon the blood. Leviticus 17 and 11 explains it really well. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. A very important word in this scripture is atonement. There is a heartless idiom which says, if you lie, you fry. Immediately a lie or any sin for that matter takes place. Separation from God also takes place. Atonement means reconciliation of God to man by cleansing, which comes by the removal of sin, which takes place by reason of the blood. If a person comes under the blood, they won't have to fry. So in substitution for the death of man for sin, animal sacrifices were a temporary means by which atonement could take place until the fullness of time for Jesus Christ. God called Abraham and went to great lengths to establish the nation of Israel. Through Abraham, God promised, shall all families of the earth be blessed. And thereafter, all families were to come under the influence of this blessing that God gave to this man of faith, Abraham. God gave Israel a country apart from every other nation, and there he would govern them by laws especially given for them. The laws given were intended to give the nation holiness of character and right living because God, who is holy, would be dwelling among them. From the very first, before the foundation of the world, it was the purpose of God to give man a redeemer. And our redeemer was to come from the nation of Israel. Romans 8 and 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned the sin in the flesh. God has also gone to great and perfect lengths to bring salvation and redemption to us through the death and the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and spot. The blood of Jesus is power to redeem us, to reconcile us to God, to wash away sins, this is just a little bit. There's a lot more that the power of the blood of Jesus has. To forgive us, to free us, to justify us, to cleanse our guilty conscience, to sanctify us, to open our way boldly to the presence of God, to give us peace, to overcome the enemy, and to have eternal life. Could, you, could I have the piano, please, Sister Cassandra? Thanks. We remember that in the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, 
God gave instruction to Moses that the time of this miraculous event was to be the beginning of times, and this was the first month of the year for them. On the tenth day of the month, they were to take a lamb, one lamb for every house. The lamb was to be without blemish and a male of the first year. The lamb was to be kept for 14 days, and on the 14th day of the month, all Israel shall kill the lamb in the evening. Then they were to take the blood and strike it on the, si- on the two side doorposts and up the, on the upper doorpost of the house, wherein they would eat the lamb once it had been roasted. The children of Israel were to be dressed and ready, and this was the Lord's Passover. Then in the fullness of time when God's judgment came, judgment of death came, they who were under the blood and in a ready state escaped the judgment that came upon Egypt. It's a type of, of Lord Jesus Christ and a type of us where we are. Once we have been baptized in Jesus' name, repented of our sins, filled with the Holy Spirit, we're living for the Lord God Almighty. And the blood that Jesus shed for us is covering all our sins and cleansing us from all those sins and all unrighteousness. But we do need to remain ready. Amen. We need to be standing ready and waiting for the Lord because when He comes, we do not know when that's going to be. Just like in Israel, they didn't know exactly when God was going to pass over and judgment was going to fall on Egypt, but they were standing dressed and ready to leave and go out of Egypt when God said so, when the judgment came and they were saved and they didn't suffer that judgment at all. It's the same for us today. Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the scriptures that were given about him, all the prophetic scriptures that were given. He's fulfilled them all. And here we are today, able to come under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and have our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and by our full obedience to his plan for salvation, we too can escape the judgment of God. And when God looks at us and we submitted ourselves to God, Jesus, the blood of Jesus covers us and that's what God sees. He doesn't see sinful human beings, but he sees the blood of Jesus that's over our lives and the blood of Jesus covers us. And the Lord says, I will pass over you. We will not receive that judgment. We'll go up to be with the Lord forever. Amen. And we'll not be here to receive that judgment because the blood of Jesus covers us. It's up to us to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us appreciate and give God thanks tonight. We can come to the front and worship God if you like. If you have anything that needs to go under the blood of the Lord Jesus, bring it to the altar, bring it to the front, and the Lord will meet you there. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Mr.